Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content here at Open Banking Expo and I'll be steering the conversation for the next 30 minutes or so. My guest today is Miles Stevenson, Chief Executive of Modular, the Payment as a Service Platform. It's been a busy year for Modular so far. In April, it secured investment from FIS Ventures, the corporate venture arm of FIS. The fintech was also granted an electronic money institution license by the Central Bank of Ireland for its Dublin-based entity, Modular Europe, as part of plans to provide services to customers across the EU. Under Miles's leadership, Modular has received £53.3 million in funding, and it's become one of the few non-banks to gain direct access to faster payments and BACs. Miles joins me to discuss his experience in the UK's payment space, his fintech leadership tips, what's next for Modular, and the Bank of England's roadmap for the development of fintech and payment services in the UK, set out at UK Fintech Week in April by Dave Ramsden, Deputy Governor, Markets and Banking at the BOE. Firstly, welcome, Miles, and thank you for talking to me today. Well, th- thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to, to join you. Not at all. And uh, let's start actually with that announcement from the Bank of England a few weeks ago. Uh, in describing its role in the fintech landscape, Dave Ramsden said that alongside other UK authorities and international bodies, the bank is providing the infrastructure on which private sector innovation can flourish. He offered up a description of the bank, sometimes working in collaboration with the private sector and sometimes acting more as a critical friend, as he put it. Miles, what do you make of all that? Um, Well, well, first of all, from our perspective, I think it's really important to say that at a a very sort of high level, we're clearly very supportive of all the change that the Bank of England and other bodies, both both in the UK and Europe, brought in over over the last few years because it's really opened up the doors for for us to be able to exist in the form um, that we do and be able to compete on a growingly so sort of level playing field with um, other providers in the market. So so um, very supportive, and we love the direction of travel. And of course, we'd like it to be faster, but also realistic about the um, the amount of change that has to take place. So so yeah, I think it's it's good to hear that it's not about standing still. It's not about a roadmap that was published a number of years ago and, and achieving some significant milestones and saying we're done with it. It was great to hear um, a number of initiatives and, and new initiatives within within the speech about how we continue to go forward. Yeah, it, it does seem to, to be very forward looking. And we heard a lot in that speech about the Bank of England's work on payments, as well as its data strategy and its support for new and growing firms. Can you summarise sort of some of the main points that came out of that speech and what these mean for the payment space in the UK and the sort of wider fintech industry? Yeah, sure. I mean, for, I mean clearly for us, the, the, the number one sort of area um, was uh, the, the updates on payments and the, the views on payments. I mean, as you mentioned, it uncovered um, data strategy, um, AI, moving into to regulation around outsourcing um, and, and the support for, for, for firm, growing firms and scaling firms as well. Um, so, so, I mean, for, for us, that first one, payments, is, is critically important. And it was great to see within that um, covering off 
uh, if you like, things that are already underway, plus some new areas. And, and the, the first point that was made is around the focus on um, RTGS renewal, uh, which is clearly the, the, the course of infrastructure. And I think Dave Ramson referred to it as the hard infrastructure foundations that the, the bank can provide to, to the industry. And for us, that's critically important. Um, and it's like a, a part of the jigsaw puzzle in, in improving the access and, and, and leveling that playing field. So as you mentioned in your introduction, we, we're one of the few non-bank financial institutions that have direct access to the Bank of England. And it's been amazing how the various bodies in the UK have come together to make that happen. Um, however, there are still some challenges and um, obstacles in being able to operate that in a really smooth and ideal way. Um, and RTGS is one of those. So a number of the changes that are happening with the renewal of RTGS will enable us to operate more efficiently within RTGS around the, um, the, the technology, the, 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 basically the opening hours of, of, the, of the system, um, some of the liquidity requirements and being able to move cash around the different accounts. And, and so yeah, the sooner that can happen, the, the, the better. So it's good to see the, the commitment there. And that's also a program that's been um, underway. And it was also good to see that, again, not standing still, moving forward around the, the reference to um, omnibus accounts and, and getting access to a, a broader range of um, or allowing access to a broad range of payment schemes. Um, and then, and again, looking from an innovation point of view around um, central bank digital currencies. So good to see that that sort of move forward. Um, and then in, into um, data strategy, um, think things like new ISO standards um, and aligning that to RTGS, um, both from a, how we process payments, but also how we connect uh, further uh, data into that, whether it's um, then being able to give smoother access um, to information and data to enable SMEs to access finance, um, for, for example, or whether it's how we can um, process payments and, and more efficiently uh, fulfill our obligations around um, anti-money laundering controls and transaction monitoring are re really you know, critically important for us. Um, I think the, uh, the the part about outsourcing um, um, w w was really important uh, and it's critical that the, the, the PRA, FCA and other bodies are really um, understanding and, and the need and requirement to to look at how we do outsource to critical providers, um, such as cloud providers, which there was specific reference to, um, because clearly that's where the, the market has moved to and will continue to move to. So we do need regulatory uh, alignment there as well to, to make sure those are in, in lockstep um, to, 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 to happen. And, and then the, the, the reference to the, um, I guess, the scaling is really, really important for, for us. And we've, we've seen that um, good support in, in, in um, activities such as access to the Bank of England. Um, but but that there was particular reference to, um, I, I, th I think, um, startup banks or new banks and, and, and how the PRA have specifically supported that. And we've seen that um, in a similar way um, with, 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 with us in, in the access to the Bank of England. I think there is still further opportunity, though, to look at um, how we do support organisations that are scaling and, and perhaps in the non-bank sector in the way that has been that unit focusing on new challenger banks um, around the extra support, advice and access to the regulators. And, and that's an area that we've been particularly keen on around um, pushing the point that actually access to the regulators is a really good thing because we can learn, understand what's required and we can develop at a faster pace if we've got that access and support. And so we're, we're keen that that's extended 
perhaps beyond some of the areas that Dave Ramson was referring to in his speech, um, beyond the, the Bank of England and the PRA. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned there, they, they, they did acknowledge that in, in the speech, but you know, as anyone else, that the UK fintech sector has, has been on this sort of rapid growth trajectory. So, you know, what more can um, governing bodies, regulators and sort of other institutes do, do you think, to be supporting this growth then? Um, in, in the coming sort of months and years ahead? Yeah, for, for, for me, the, Chris, I mean, there's lots of detail we could get into around specific regulations and you know, whether it's looking at some of the, the open bank, banking regulation and making sure there is real sort of traction and applicability of the, um, the, the, the rules. There are perhaps opportunities post-Brexit to look at um, other areas for divergence from the European regulations, but in a, if you like, a smart way of, of how it can enable things to move faster. But, but, but if it was one principle overall, it's ensuring that we continue the momentum. Because I look at this as a, it's like a, a journey that, we, that the industry, that the country's been on. Um, and and but you're back to the first payment services directive, the electronic money regulations, and how that's all moved through to um, people talking more about the second payment services directive, open banking, and we've just got to carry on. What what I think could be the the worst position is if we uh, collectively think it's done, um, or, or the regulatory body thinks it's done. I just don't think it is, and therefore we've got to keep the 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 same momentum, and if not more momentum, to keep the change, keep challenging what's happening. Um, and my my biggest fear is that slows down, and and then we end up sort of stuck in a sort of awkward position where we started it but we don't finish it so if I had one request overall it would let, let's carry on and let's if anything let's increase the, the pace of change um, that, 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 we, that we need. Yeah I suppose there is always a concern isn't there that when you've got to a certain sort of growth stage complacency sets in I guess. Yeah absolutely and, and I'm not I don't think we're seeing that because I think there's there's lots of activity the fact that um, um, there was the participation in the UK UK FinTech Week, and it's seen a key uh, key component, the fact that the, the, the Bank of England have various um, groups and, and um, uh, within their organisation to focus on FinTech and surface these issues and, and, and absolutely listening and engaging um, you know, suggests and, and what demonstrates that we, we are moving forward. Now, um, the Khalifa FinTech Review also came out uh, quite recently. Uh, so I wanted to pick your brains on, on that a little bit um, to find out your thoughts kind of generally on that review, but also whether you think it kind of goes far enough. Um, yeah, I mean, as you'd expect, similar to um, the Deputy, Deputy Governor's um, speech at UK FinTech Week, um, you'd expect us to be huge supporters of the uh, Khalifa Review. and um, a big supporter and believer that um, that Ron's done a, a, an amazing job in pulling that together with, with the, the various people that supported him, and, and across we go through the different components of it, and 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 yes, there are there are elements there that are um, in all of the sections relevant to, to modular, and, and and therefore we are clearly supportive of it. The I guess the big question is, does it now turn into action? And, and does it get the engagement within the within the government, within Treasury, within um, various regulators to make it happen, and to make it happen in a a, a time frame that is um, meaningful and impactful um, 
to to us and and to others in the market. I mean, we could go through the, the different areas around. There's the policy and regulation aspects. Um, skills and talent is is a very um, important topic to 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 all of us that contributed and the, and the fintech market around. You want, if you look at one of the um, biggest challenges we have to grow is being able to hire enough good people fast enough. Um, so so some of the um, requirements that were set out in the review and, and talking about how we get access to more talent, how we get um, particular visas in place to, to bring talent into the country in addition to growing the, the talent um, locally, really important to ensure that we can continue to scale up. And, and if we don't do that and don't do that fast enough, then it will um, it will uh, limit growth. Um, in, in the same way, we're, we're being very supportive um, and not just supportive, we've actually put it into action around the, if you like, the national connectivity. We, we started the business uh, in London, but very quickly established a, a presence in Edinburgh. So it's so a very supportive of the, um, the principles of developing um, capability across the UK uh, in, in the different centres. And it's great to see how that's been building up in, in different places, in, including Edinburgh, where, where we are, in addition to London. So do you see that desire for action then that, that you're kind of hoping emerges in, in light of the review? Um, I think it's still early to say, isn't it? Because it's only just sort of been published and come out. So I think the, the next few few months are, are that critical phase where, um, yes, we hope to start to see some uh, specific actions. I think the, the initial reactions have been good. And, and now we need to see uh, those recommendations being implemented and starting to, to make progress. So I guess that might be a topic for a, a future conversation. Yeah, maybe maybe in a year's time, if we came back to it, we'd have a bit more evidence of uh, whether any anyone acted and uh, what's Indeed. happened as a result. <laughs> and um, Miles, I wanted to sort of uh, come to um, adoption of open banking in the SME space. Um, uh, perhaps some have said it's been slightly slower to to adopt it there, but but what do you make of of that particular kind of market at the moment? Yeah, yeah for, for us and 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 I think for the for the market as a whole, it's been it is and will become less about SMEs adopting open banking. It's about them using services that have either been enhanced and or created because open banking exists. So, so open banking, I think, becomes, or it is, something that's within the industry and it's a capability, it's a set of tools, services, access, permissions that, that allow businesses like Modular to create um, better products, help us on our, our journey to remove friction from payment processes and, and create new new products and services. So that's where I think you now start to see that taking effect. And you, I think it's happened more more quickly around the data side of the services, so so account information services, where for some time now, um, particularly alternative lenders have been using that to to help make um, better, quicker decisions about uh, lending decisions to to SMEs, um, and we're now starting to see that move into um, the payment side, the payment initiation side, with services now starting to have an impact, and and for us it can be. Um, moving money from a, a primary um, business bank account to a, a modular account and, and removing the, the, the friction there by enabling um, payments initiation that, that, that we have live on, on, on some of our service, uh, whether it's 
linking a, a payment initiation process to an invoice for invoice payments. Um, we're starting to see it in, in rent collection. So there's a growing number of practical use cases that, that, that SMEs will see as a value-added service. There, I think they're unlikely to identify with it as open banking, but, but that's not important. That's the, as I said, the tools and services that we use to deliver it. This seems a good point, actually, to kind of turn the conversation to to your own background and your work in the payments sector and, of course, to Modular itself. I mean, can you tell me where it all started? You know, where did the idea for Modular come from? Yes, yeah, so, so it's been a quite a sort of journey over the years where I've, I've been in payments most of my career and have experienced sort of different parts of it um, from this sort of early days in um um, merchant acquiring, merchant processing, fraud prevention to fuel and fleet cards and, and seeing it being a great position to see a lot of industry change and, and seeing a lot of the regulatory change um, come in and through a number of different roles have the opportunity to experience all of this change but also experience a number of significant frustrations in being able to, to build uh, previous payment businesses uh, around access to um, banking services, payment services both from a if like a relationship point of view um, with existing providers, but but also from a technology point of view. So not being able to get access to the services, but also not being able to get access to the services in a way that enabled us to build the products that we wanted to build. And and, and those experiences led us to build Modular because we thought those were problems that we could solve in terms of being able to give that access in a, a, a better, easier uh, way but also in a way that enables people to build the products and services and operate the products and services that they want to. And and, and that's why we built, built Modular, and, and that's where we get to the, the capability of being able to integrate payments to, to automate them, to uh, integrate them, embed them in, in customer journeys, and then also act as, a, if you like, the tech behind the tech to enable other other fintechs, financial services providers to build build new product or add, add to existing product. Uh, so it's a... It's been a, an, an experience over a number of years to get to the point where we where we started the business in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. And um, maybe for those who are less aware of, of, of Modular, can you explain sort of what it does and, and the kind of innovation, the, the tech that sort of sits behind all of that? Yeah, sure. So so we we describe ourselves as a payments as a service platform. And um, we, we, we pull together three sort of core um, pillars. Um, our technology platform, which we see as the, the key component that we've developed um, in-house, that, that's largely accessible through um, APIs, so through a developer center that, that so developers can um, access and, and um, use those APIs to, to build into their, their platforms, their systems. We put that together with regulatory permissions. So as you, you mentioned at the beginning, we're we're authorised um, in the UK with the FCA as an e-money institution, and, and um, late last year it extended that out for continuity post Brexit with an, um, an equivalent licence, an e-money institution licence with the Central Bank of Ireland, which we passported out um, uh, across Europe. Um, and then, thirdly, wherever possible, uh, direct access to the payment schemes or payment networks, um, so, so that we can pull all of that together as a um, one service that enables um, our, our customers then to use uh, use the platform and, and some examples, practical examples of how how people do that. We break it down into 
um, three groups or, or buckets. The, the first one is automating core payables, receivables, payroll disbursements that the business may have, and that's all about automation, control, security. The second one is about enabling our our partners, which are typically software platforms, to become payment companies. So they're in, integrating payments into those customer journeys. A um, couple of examples there would be uh, people like um, Intuit, QuickBooks, and, and Sage that have integrated payments in, into their customer products. And, and then thirdly, the, the sort of um, the, the platform to enable people to build their the products and services or new new services that they'd like. Um, um, and we, we do a lot of work in the alternative banking um, current account market um, with, with people like Revolut who have built on, to, on top of Modular for some of, some of their services. And I mentioned at the top of the podcast that you had received funding from FIS Ventures. Uh, so can you tell us any more about that investment, what you're going to be, how you're going to be working with FIS Ventures? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, it's still early days. Uh, as you mentioned, it happened quite recently. So we're still working on the, the, the details and exact plans. Um, it is a, a strategic investment from their, their corporate investment um, fund. Um, we, for, for them, it's uh, the, the great sort of opportunity and alignment is around the uh, real-time payments and account-to-account uh, -account payments. They, they share um, the division we have in terms of the growth opportunity. Uh, both UK, Europe, and globally um, for for, for real-time payments and account-to-account -account payments. Um, so we'll, we'll be working with them to to continue to grow um, th those areas of our business and, and the areas of their business as well. Well, uh, it sounds like there's we'll be hearing plenty more on that anyway in, in the future. But but good to hear about the investment, you know, in the first place, and and uh, and hopefully, as I say, we'll hear more about uh, what comes out of that very soon. But um, I was just thinking, you know, given your experience in this space in in, in the payment sector, um, do you have any tips for how fintechs in this space can go about securing the funding that they need to expand? Yeah, it's a really, I guess, a, a bit of a challenging question. I think for, for for me, it's always been focusing on the the, the products and growth markets, and 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 being very pragmatic around. Um, if you like getting getting on the pitch or the field and finding something that works and having an idea, but being able to prove that and maybe not prove it perfectly, but prove that you can get something working, get something going, um, which is what people really like and, and want to invest best behind. Um, so, so moving very rapidly from um, the PowerPoint through to something meaningful that you can show, demonstrate, um, explain to people how it works. Um, and, and get their belief in how how that can then grow. Um, so lots of small incremental steps combined with a, a view and a vision of, of where it can go is, is, I think, what served us well in being able to um, demonstrate that progress and therefore secure the investment uh, as we've gone along the journey. Yeah, and um, again, just kind of picking your brains, as it were, about kind of what it takes to have have made it in this particular kind of market because it is it is fairly competitive and I was just wondering you know whether you have any tips or what what do you think it kind of takes to reach that kind of C-suite in the fintech sector? Well I guess starting in terms of access or getting being in the market um, uh, as I mentioned, what we had the real benefit was was experiencing firsthand the, the problems um, and, and the opportunities. So uh, 
clearly recommend that either experiencing that directly and having that opportunity and we, we were very fortunate to have that in um and through the different roles both myself and the, the initial team that we put together at, at, at modular um and and, and that, then it's um yeah being being putting yourself in the position to have the opportunity and and and, and, and grow with the business um and, and i think that what we've also seen is um aligning the, the different opportunities for people to join the team with the progress of the business and, and that that can be both a significant challenge but also an opportunity for people as the the, the you know, significant and rapid growth ensuring we've got the right skills at the right point in the journey so i think you know, to, to answer your question there it's people understanding where their skills and experience are and aligning to where a, a particular fintech is along that journey so it could be that they're particularly suited to the early stage of the business and therefore getting involved and being being part of forming the business and, and getting the traction. Um, or it could be coming in a bit later and, and bringing skills in how you scale, grow, perhaps put some, some more structure into the business as, as it's scaling. So I think there's the great thing, the exciting thing is along those types of journeys, there are multiple opportunities to get involved. But I think the key is understanding and aligning where your experience, knowledge, and um, I guess being comfortable at what points that you want to join that journey, because we, I think we see because of the excitement and the interest in in the sector, lots of people just wanting to be a part of it. But but I'd highly recommend ensure you being part of it at the right time for you and and also the the, the business that you're joining. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier actually that kind of challenge around finding the right talent at the moment. Um, is that a, a, a challenge specific to sort of finding the right candidates in the UK or or just with skills sort of, you know, geographically a bit wider than that? What what are you overcoming there? Uh, yes, it covers a, a lot of different areas. Um, and, and there's clearly, because of the massive changes that are happening in financial services, in fintech, the growth, the, the investments, there are some obvious areas around software development and, and, and because of in other sectors, just the sheer demand and appetite um, for, for software development, that there is a, a you know, shortage of, of skills and available people, um, not just in the UK, um, more, more globally. So there are particular issues um, um, like that. I think there are also um, particular sort of challenges around how in the, in the UK, developing talent that's got particular experience um, around, for example, product management. Um, if, if you look at a number of the technology businesses in the US, particularly on the West Coast, product management is seen as a particular um, area, discipline, skill set that has been invested in for a long period of time. I, I think we're um, behind in, in, in that there's an opportunity to invest more in, in, in developing those skills. So I think there's lots of different areas where there's a need to invest in 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 that talent. Well, Miles, thank you so much for joining me today and for answering all my questions. Um, it's been great to get your kind of thoughts on the fintech industry in the UK uh, in light of sort of Bank of England's comments and the Khalifa review, of course. Uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. But um, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, all it leaves me to say is thank you for listening. There are plenty more unplugged podcasts in production so keep your eyes and ears open for those on the openbankingexpo.com website that's all for today join us again soon